0: Well, good morning, everybody. We have a, a, a great opportunity this morning. Um, as you'll see, there's lots of, of kids that are here, and, and they're going to um, celebrate you as dads. They're coming to give you... Thanks, dude. Did somebody pay you for that? That's great. I was wondering if I'd get a Mr. G. Yeah. If I can, um If I can just say this, as as um, the kids are, are passing out these Mr. Goodbar's Dad, if, if you get a little sleepy in the service, these things are charged with chocolate and sugar. Just go ahead and pop one in. Rest it under your tongue. Just let the sugar have its way with you. And, and um, thank you to our kids. Huh? You guys are awesome. And uh, just just as they're making their way through and and blessing you guys, we have a a short video for you this morning to honor dads and and to get a good laugh. So if you guys are ready with that video, we'll go for it now.
1: I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You wanna borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy, super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Two sports. Just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. <laughs> well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure, spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet. Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, Vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy, I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16, you pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. (laughs) Whoa! Money really does grow on trees. (laughs) All right on. Hey,
0: thanks again to our kids for for honoring all the dads and the men in the room with the, the candy this morning. We'll see you guys have a good time in your Sunday school classes. And um, today is Father's day and Man, we're grateful, Lord. We're, we're grateful for um, for who each one of you men are. I love what Pastor Andy said. That there are those of you that are our dads. Um, there are those of you that are spiritual dads. There are those of you that are investing in the lives of young people. And um, and I can't think of a, a better day to be together uh, as a as a church body, uh, just really worshiping the Lord and 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 honoring our heavenly Father. Isn't God good? You know. And and when you think of um, the way that God introduces Himself, the way that God in the Word of in the Bible um, describes Himself so often, is what? As a Father, right? It's how He He calls us to, to pray and teaches His disciples to pray. And and I was thinking about this, and I, I think about it. I have to hide my Mister Good Bar because uh, I'm going to want to eat it the whole time. I'll be looking at my Bible, going, "Eat the Mister Good Bar." So I'm covering that right now. Um, I was thinking about this day and and what it means to be a dad and and remembering um, and I, I said that to my daughter this morning, I, I woke her up. And I said, "Thanks for making me a dad." You know, uh, and I remember when Kate was born. I remember when Daniel was born. And many of you with children, you obviously remember those days. But there's something so special um, that that happens in the heart of a parent the moment that their child is born. I think it begins the moment you you realize that you're going to have a child, and the bond and that that sense of of unconditional love that you experience as you go through the pregnancy and and um, and you know the sympathy pains that you go through, men as your wife goes through difficulty, and the sympathy weight that you gain, and, and the exhaustion that you experience as, as she goes through labor and afterwards. Guys, we get it. I get it. It's tough. Um, and uh, kudos to you. We celebrate you today. But, but, but there's something supernatural that happens. It's an amazing, um, it's amazing impartation of love. And, and then that, that continues to grow um, as your children grow and as you meet your children and you get to know their hearts. And and dads, if I would say anything to you, I would say, you know, contend uh, for relationship with your kids and know their hearts. Do your best to dis- discover who God made them to be. I love the passage of scripture that says, train up a child in the way they should go in the end, they'll not depart, right? I think it says in the end when they're old, they'll not depart. And, and there's ways that we can interpret that portion of scripture, one to say, train up a child in the way I want them to go train up a child in the way that they dig the things that I dig so we can hang out all the time or that they like the sports that I like or whatever. Or you can take a pause and realize that you've been entrusted um, with with this great responsibility and this great privilege to discover um, the gifts and the callings in your children and you learn their hearts and you begin to see the way that they go and then you you nudge them along in that way as they're created in the image of God, unique with a design. What a great privilege. What a great privilege. And as we think about. About that it can also be um, an overwhelming thing. Uh, it can be overwhelming, dads, to think of of the high calling that we have. And for those of you that are are going to be dads, you know, as you, you maybe think in that direction, um, just to add to that sense of high calling. Uh, you know, as psychologists will tell us that that so much. Of the father's input is significant in development in the early in the early stages cognitively physically socially emotionally that there's something that happens when when a dad is is involved um, but but even beyond that although that is hugely significant. There's something that I always carry as an overwhelming privilege and an overwhelming sense of, of like responsibility is that part of the way that my kids will see the character and nature of God is reflected in what I showed them early on. And part of the way that you see the character and nature of God, and it isn't rest upon your shoulders completely, thank God for, the, for, for his spirit, right, which bears witness to all truth, that... But there's this part of the way that, that children see their parents shapes the way that they're going to ultimately see God. Is that true? It's true. I can see it from the pulpit sometimes when I begin to talk about the father heart of God. When I talk about how God is a father and some will, will sit up in their seat and they'll just be like ready to listen. And others will, will kind of look down, and you can see the body language shifts a little bit. And it's as if they're saying, and I can only interpret it, I don't know this to be true, but it's as if one is saying, yeah, I want to know this God more. And if others are saying, if he's like a father, I'm not so sure I want to listen right now. And, and that's the weight that we bear as we live in a broken world. And, and there's, there's parts, guys, and that, that we reflect um, God's character and nature, and i got to tell you, there's parts that we will never be able to reflect God's character and nature. Uh, I have a list here of, of, of what you might know as the omnis, right? That what God is everywhere at once, omnipresent. As much as we would like to be, we are not everywhere at once. Although sometimes we, we spread ourselves so thin that we're so scattered to, to try to be everywhere at once, we'll never be everywhere at once. This might come as a, as a little bit of a surprise to some, some of us today, but we'll never be all-knowing. I know, I know, some of, us, some of us might think we know it all, but we'll never know it all. Um, we'll never be all powerful, as as much as, as we want our kids to think that, you know, that, um, or as much as we want to believe that we can do anything, lift anything, work out whatever it is. That we'll, we won't be all powerful like God. We won't be unchanging. That there are, are changes that are coming into our lives as we go through phases and stages. Whereas our God is same yesterday, today, and forever. We can't be self-existent. We can't be eternal. I know some of you are saying, well, aren't we going to live forever? Yes, but we had a beginning point, so we can't be eternal by that definition. But there are ways that we can become and be shaped to be more like him and and that we're helping our children, we're helping a generation, we're helping those that we teach and impart to to see God in another way. We don't bear the whole weight of the responsibility, but we have some responsibility in it. And some of those ways that we look at who God is and his character and nature that we can be like him is that God is what? God is love. Right? And wouldn't it be a, a, a great thing for us to have as a, as a goal in our life that we would grow in love, that we would, as, as men, that we would grow in the understanding of what that looks like. Wouldn't it be awesome that when people talk about you and when they say, do you know that guy, uh, so-and-so? Yeah, that guy is so filled with love. It's a great compliment. The other way that we can grow as God is, is God is just, right? We can grow in our justice. That, that there's a sense that, um, of, of knowing right and wrong, of knowing the right and the wrong things to do and choosing to do the right things. We can grow in our creativity that our God is creative and that, that we can teach our children and show him his character and nature by the things that we create. We can grow in grace and mercy. That's one that is a, is a beautiful thing to impart to our kids Sometimes they might blow it, and sometimes they might do something that they shouldn't should have done, shouldn't have done and, and it might surprise them to extend grace to them in that moment, teach them a lesson of God's grace, and to extend mercy, what they don't deserve. That there's the, the growing in our lives, and this isn't for dads, this is for all of us that are, are believers, is that, that we grow in, in, in our goodness in our truthfulness, right? That what we say we're going to do, we do, and and the things that we do are good things and not bad things, right? This is who our God is, and, and what we have this responsibility against, we're helping to shape a generation to see who God is through the way that we live and act just like our Father. You know that saying that you're a chip off the old block, you know? The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. That that would be said of us, because of who Jesus is in our lives. And there's hope in that because for some of us, maybe we didn't start our journey in parenting that way. Maybe we didn't start our life in that way. But the good news of the gospel is that all things become new. Isn't that great news? That's great news that, that, that we have new beginnings. We have fresh starts. Today might be that for some of you. Today might be that day where you might have shown up at church because it was Father's Day. And, and maybe even me saying some of this stuff, you're beginning to sleep, you know, just to, to feel a little bit overwhelmed. It's not my intent, it's not my heart, but my intent and my desire is that you would be free to be the one that God called you and created you to be. Whether you are a teenager, whether you are uh, not a teenager, whether you're male or whether you're female. That that you would fall into the the joy and the freedom of being who you were intended to be by design by God. That's living, isn't it? Isn't that being fully alive? And so some of the things that I want to share with you um, today... I I believe will give us some practical ways to do that. Really one big practical way. I love that Christian led worship this morning. I don't know where, Christian, that's your section over there, right? I know where you all sit, by the way. So when you you move around, it messes me up. But Christian is always over there. I don't know why I looked here. Maybe I was thinking before you were married, you sat over there. Maybe now you sit here. But um, I, I loved, I loved the, the time of worship today, and, and Kristen sang a song that impacted my heart the moment that I heard it. I remember I even texted you right after. This was a couple years ago, and I, I just said, man, you got to hear this song, and, and that song of I'm being caught up in your presence, you know, just to, to linger in the presence of God. And where we find ourselves in, the, in our study of Exodus, we're in the 33rd chapter, and uh, we're almost done, you guys. We are, we've been like 40 weeks into this. And um, we we figured out that you only have to do, like, one sermon series a year. Just pick a book like Exodus. You just, one, you just stretch it all the way through. Um, Pastor Scott's going to preach next week, and and then we'll have, I think, probably one or two other Exodus sermons. And, you know, uh, this is just a side note. Hold right there, over here. Exodus, at a certain point, will just be pure repetition. It'll be, this is what God commanded them to do, and then they did it. And so we're going to save you a little bit of time on that, and we'll let you read that at home, that they did fulfill many of the things that God wanted to do practically. So we find ourselves close to the end. Now back over here. That said, Exodus chapter 33 um, is is going to walk us through something really powerful, um, and, and it's this interaction between moses and god where where god is just he's too through with the stiff-necked pridefulness of his people and he says this statement and i'll read it in just a moment the essence of what he says is you can still have the promise i'm gonna be faithful to this land that flows with milk and honey you can still have the promise but you just can't have me what a heavy moment. And, and I'm going to walk you through how they responded and reacted to that. And, and if there's anything that, that I long for in my life, it was sung in that, it was stated in that song that I want to be in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God is where we're shaped and where we're molded and where we're where we're released to be who He's called us to be. So are you with me this morning? Yes. All right. Now going back to um, some of those attributes of God's character, some that that we can will never be like. Thank God that He alone is is who He is. That we can lean into His power and His might. But but going back to the some that we can be like. Unfortunately, that there, there are those that have experienced the side that they they have been let down by their fathers. Maybe they. Been uh, abused by their fathers, mistreated, and and that leaves a, a generation in a very. Um Stunned or stunted kind of moment developmentally that that, that, that the, the harm that comes towards them and there's a great privilege that that we have as the the body of Christ to be able to to share and to show things like God's unconditional love and you might remember last week we prayed over Joel and Abby um, Joel and Abby are our youth directors and they had a chance to be at Royal Family Kids Camp which is just a legendary camp where kids are shown unconditional love from the foster system and I asked Joel to come and share a testimony because I think uh, we were talking yesterday, uh, he walked past my house and we were, we were chatting and he was sharing just a little bit about uh, what God did at that camp and his part that he played. And I thought, man, this is a great testimony that illustrates when something is broken that sometimes that we are part of that solution and showing people, yeah, you can tie your shoe, man, it's cool. <laughs> Don't you love Joel? Yeah. I love Joel. Joel, you, you, you told me a, a story about a young man who um, was kind of termed as one of the problem kids that were there. And, and would you just share about your experience with him and just your experience with the camp?
2: Yeah. Um, so if you guys would all look over there, there's a the guy sitting there. He's new to this church. Um, his name is Luke. Hi, hey, Luke. And um, he, I invited him here. You guys talked to him. He's awesome. But. He had two campers, and this was his first year. And um, I didn't have any campers; I was kind of just like a support role, so I was helping anybody who needed help. And um, and I was I was fortunate enough to help Luke a lot. But he had this kid named Xavier, and um, he had a, a reputation of being, you know, a little much or hard to handle. And and it was and it was true, you know. And like getting to meet him and, and all this stuff, but you know they've been through a lot. Um, but I noticed that he he would force himself to get really angry whenever it was time to do something fun. Or if it was something that we were to smile about, he would force himself, like, visibly just get in a position where he makes himself mad. And it was since day one, since he walked out the bus, um, and we, like, were trying to take pictures of him, he was smiling, and then he stopped, and he, like, covered up his face. And, you know, we would do worship songs and do, like, dances and all the good stuff. And, you know, you turn to look at him, he's like... (coughs) And it's like, man, you know, and so I, I, like, my heart just was, was weeping for him. So I just prayed and prayed and just asked God to um, let me, let me do something, you know, use me, God, I'm here and I want to do something in his life. And so I remember one day I was walking with Luke and Xavier and, um, I I just felt the Lord put it on my heart, and so I shared with him, and I said, Xavier, whoever made fun of you for having fun, whoever told you it's not okay to smile, whoever bullied you when you were having a good time, they're not here right now. So you get to have the fun. You get to enjoy yourself. And he looked at me, and he said, can you shut up now? (laughs) I was like, like, yeah, I can shut up now. (laughs) But, um, so then that, that was like on Tuesday and then, um, Thursday's coming up and Thursday we're warned that, um, you know, it's, it's the second to last day and the kids know that the goodbye is coming. So you could have had a great week. And then that Thursday is when they try to have withdrawals against you or do something. And I was walking with Luke on Wednesday night and I was talking to him and I was like, Hey man, tomorrow's Thursday, you know, so they're going to do they might not, but they probably will try to do everything to make you dislike them or get mad at them or just make it easier to to separate you know and I told Luke you just have to win the war you just have to love him more than you know than he can throw hate at you and so Thursday came around and that's exactly what happened and he was just being really mean to Luke and Luke was a champ being patient kind and and all this stuff and he ended up um, having an altercation with another kid and So he was just in this mood, and he was punching walls and kicking fire hydrants and running away from me and Luke. We were running around chasing him, and we're like, hey, man, and I just was like, speak life, you know? And I was like, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful that I met you. I'm so happy that you made my week awesome, and he's just mad. And he's like, you don't care about me. You don't care about me. He was saying that to me and Luke, and I just felt the Lord... Like just come in me and, and share some words that you know were powerful um, that I've heard before, and I, so I told him, Xavier, there is nothing that you can do that'll make me and Luke stop loving you. So that's your invitation to be as mean to us as you want, or as nice as to, and as nice as you want to us, but we're gonna love you all the same. And then finally, he was like, just I, I think he was taken back by it. We were able to get the um, the staff psychiatrist to come and try to speak to him and calm him down. And, and that night we had a talent show and I had taught him all the little magic tricks I know. And I was <laughs> like, come on, man, you can do it. And he's like, no, no, no. And finally he came up to me in the middle of dancing. He's like, I want to do it. I want to go up there and I want to do the talent show. And so I did it with him and um, I go back to my seat and he's like, hey, can, can you stand in the back with me? And I'm like, of course, dude, yeah. So we go in the back, and he starts doing all the dances, all the worship songs that he had avoided doing the whole week. And, and in my head, I thought, this kid has imagined this. You know, he, in, his, in his head, he thought of himself dancing. He thought of himself having fun, but he couldn't. You know, and, and I thought to myself, like, this is, you know, Luke and I, we won the war. We loved him. You know, we loved him, and he's here. And even if it's just for these two minutes that this song is playing, he is having joy in his life. So That's yeah. awesome, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> privilege, right? What a privilege. Joel and I were talking about that and the, the heartache of, of um, then having to say goodbye to that child and that child longing to, like, hey man, come with me and come see me and, and, and the, the, the difficulty of that moment. But we had to say that there are significant moments of sowing seeds into the lives of people. They might come in an entire week-long opportunity like they had to, to show that unconditional love consistently. They might come in a moment of time where you do what is just, you do what is right, you do what is good and fair and merciful, and a child sees that. These are seeds that are, are sown into the hearts of children. And, and we believe that what the Word of God teaches is true, that, that, that God is the one that brings the increase, that, there are, that, that that every interaction like this is significant. So I want to encourage each one of you and the the way that you look at children, that you might value them the way that God does. I don't doubt that you do, but that you might even come with a new sense of calling about whatever the niece, the nephew, the friend, the kid that you don't even know their name, but you see them at the donut table every Sunday or whatever it might be, that every interaction that you have is a deposit into their life and certainly not a withdrawal. But it's a deposit. It's a deposit of hope. It's a deposit of, like, Joel, I love that, just speaking life over them. And God help us, right? Jesus has a lot to say about offending children, doesn't he? Some pretty strong words that we wouldn't be those that are are taking withdrawals away from them. And so, man, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. We're just so grateful that you had that opportunity to go and be there. And Luke, we're, we're so glad to meet you as well. So Exodus chapter 33, we're going to jump in and and hopefully tie these things together with some practical um, input from God's Word. And um, uh, my good friend Jim Masteller is here, and he taught me early on to be brief, be brilliant, and be gone, right? Isn't that what you say, Jim? And so we're going to try to get at least one of those. That's what you all often said, too. Um, Exodus chapter 33 in verse 1, it reads this. The Lord said to Moses, and, and i got to give you a little bit of a background if you weren't here last Sunday. Moses is up on the mountain. He's encountering the glory of God. God is, is, is communicating with him. God says, hey, the, the children of Israel, the Israelites, have, 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 have made a golden cap. They're worshiping an idol down there. And, and Moses descends the mountain. He sees them. He's, he's not too happy at all, right? You remember we see Angry Moses. Angry Moses goes to town. He, he takes the idol. He boils it. He crushes it. He grinds it into powder, puts it in their water, makes them drink it. Um, just an interesting portion of Scripture. We already covered it. I won't repreach what I preached. And then, um, and then there's a, a, a pleading with God and in an intercession that Moses, he, he asks the Lord for forgiveness. God says, I'm just, I'm going to blot out who I blot out. That there's judgment that comes to the children of Israel in the way of loss of life. And it's dramatic and it's a big deal. And so this is on the heels of that, that now God speaks to them and says, hey, okay, it's time to move camp now. And the Lord said to Moses, depart from here, and um, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to your offspring that I will give it. And I will send an angel before you to drive out all the ites, uh, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And you will go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. All that sounds like pretty good, um, but then this line, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And so if you're looking for a a title for the sermon today, it's uh, The Promise and the Presence. The promise of God was still there. You still get the land flowing with milk and honey, but you don't get me. I'm not going with you. And the reaction to that was, was um, you know, for, for these guys, it, it seemed to be pretty impressive, actually, um, that prior to that, I don't think they wanted to do anything with God. They, they wanted their golden calf. They wanted things their ways. But as we'll read in just a moment that they called the, this word from the Lord, they said these words are disastrous words, right? And I thought that was such an accurate term to think of, God, I can, I can have what you promised to give me, but I can't have you. What would life be like? The absence of God's presence, the absence of God dwelling among them, but this land. And so many of us, I think that we look for um, hope and we look for fulfillment in things and stuff and place, But really where it comes from is from the presence of God. And and the reason that God was saying, I'm not going to go with you, I believe it was a merciful act of God that God here was saying, hey, if I go with you based on the way you're acting, you won't make it because I will zap you, right? is what he's saying. I'm too through with your stiff-necked ways. What does stiff-necked mean? We covered this a little last week. It's a a term that the farmer would use when he's trying to, to use the oxen. He's steering the oxen, and as he pulls the rope, the oxen doesn't move his neck. He doesn't allow the farmer to steer and plow the field, but he keeps his neck stiff. And it's a, it's a reference to pride in our lives. Raise your hand if you have pride in your life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but we as humans, we have pride in our lives. We have pride issues. And those those pride issues are no small thing to God. And, and they're no small thing to the point that he's saying, hey, I, I, to this Old Testament message, that I can't go with you because I'll... I'll consume you based on your pride. It made me think of James, in James chapter 4. And uh, I I love the book of James. It's so practical and it's so straightforward and direct. And here's what it says in James chapter 4. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You um, You desire and do not have. And so you murder, you covet. Um, And you cannot obtain. And so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. And you spend time on your passions. And then James just hits square between the eyes. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it's um, to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? And then verse 6. If, if, if that's where you stopped, you'd just be like, man, I didn't, I, it was Father's Day. I came to church for Krispy Kremes and chocolate. Maybe kids would sing a song or something. But dude, really? Do you have to get into pride? <laughs> So so at this point if that's all that you heard you might feel the the weight of that in your life of going yeah maybe I'm not good enough as a dad maybe I'm not good enough as a person maybe I do have pride but then there's these important words that are said here it says this but he gives more grace come on everybody say more grace, more grace. Oh, thank god for his grace he gives more grace Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And you see this law at work in in God's pulling back from the people and saying, I'm not going with you because I will oppose you. How many of you have ever felt the weight of God against you? Um, You you know, maybe we felt a tiny bit of of his power against us, but if you felt the weight of God against you, you would not be here. But to think of, of God opposing us, You know, there's those times in our lives where it just seems something is off and everything we do is a fail. And it's the mercy of God that leads us to our knees to go, God, what is it? Something is off. And it brings us to a place of repentance. And that's the kindness of God that is, is doing that in us. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It goes on to say then, humble who? The guy next to you? Humble yourself, right? This willful choice to humble yourself. And so as I, I thought of that, I, I, I was really impressed with the next portion of Scripture and seeing it in that progression. If you jump back now to um, Exodus chapter 33 and looking at verse 4, it says, When the people heard this disastrous word, everyone's come on, say disastrous word. Yes. They, they mourned, right? When God said, you can go to the place I promised you, but I'm not going before you, they're like, no, They mourned. The next thing it says is that that no one put on their ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people, and if for a single moment I should go among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. And therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Basically, they used to look like Christmas trees when they walked around. They had like these. I'm just kidding. The, the, thank you. My, my wife laughed hard at that one. That was like, yeah. Um, thank you. The, the idea of ornaments is beyond just the jewelry, beyond just like maybe a little bit of earrings, but in, in this culture, there would be like these thick bracelets. There would be the wearing of a lot of the wealth that you have, the gold that's there. Do you remember that that some of the gold was already taken out of the ears of the people to make this calf? Well, they still had more. One commentator I loved, it said, man, they couldn't sell out to any God. They couldn't even give it all to the calf. They kept some back, let alone give it all to God, right? So these, these people had these ornaments, whether it was necklaces, bracelets, earrings, and so forth. And why do we adorn ourselves with these things? Why do we put on the ornaments? It's usually to, to in, in their case, for certain, it was to kind of show the wealth that they had, right? That they had a lot of stuff. And this was a call to humility, that God led them to a point where they would humble themselves. And now I'm not harping on anyone that wears jewelry. Um, I have a ring on my finger. And if you wear a lot or a little, it's not about what you wear on the outward. It's about what's going on in your heart. And the question this morning is, there's there some stuff that might need to come off? Before God are there some, uh, some ornaments, some things that we adorn ourselves with, That we might before God say, hey, I come to you as I am. I'm not wearing a false front. I'm not wearing this thing or that thing to show that I'm either better or stronger or smarter or whatever else. But that I can come freely before you as I am. Those moments when we get there are moments of reality. Those moments when we get there is when we realize how loved we are by God and how loved we are by the people around us. Sadly, we put on all the extra stuff, the masks or whatever they might be, to get people to like us more. And the sad truth is the more we do that, the more people don't like you when you do that. They don't like me when I do that. I remember growing up, my, my parents used to say it from time to time, hey, who have you been hanging out with? Because <laughs> this is not you. And my mom would say, I don't like you. I don't like your face. No, I'm just kidding. My mom's here. I was just saying that just to make her feel bad. (laughs) No, but but the the truth is that, that the stuff that we put on that's not authentic to who we are does not cause us to stand out in the crowd in the positive way that we think it does. And so what God's calling them to is a place of humility. Unfortunately, they heeded the words that it's disastrous to go anywhere without the presence of God. And I hope that if you hear anything today, whether it's in your marriage, in your parenting, in your schoolwork, in your work life, whatever it is, it is disastrous to go without the presence of God. And it should feel disastrous. Those moments where we feel the, the weight of that emptiness. Um, David, in the Bible, experienced it. And... Um, uh, he says this in that psalm that he pens in Psalm 51. And you remember, he fails miserably with Bathsheba. You know the, the passage of Scripture. He falls into adultery and subsequently murder. And, and then he's he's before God. And you get a sense of his heart of what's going on by getting to read David's journal, right? We get to read the things that he writes. And he writes this before God, create in me a clean heart. How many of you have prayed that prayer before? You don't have to raise your hand, but how good God is. Create in me a clean heart. There's something broken. There's something dirty there's something wrong here and how God is so faithful to respond created me a clean heart oh God and renew a what a right spirit in me and this is this is the the line that struck me cast me not away from your presence and take not your holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold within me a, a willing spirit or a right spirit this is, the, this is the response to David feeling the weight of the disastrous word of the Lord. That one who was so close and so intimate with him, who had experienced his presence to the point where he's like, man, I don't care. I'm worshiping just like all out before the ark. I'm, I'm all in. And now he's experiencing that distance from God. And so whatever that distance that we feel from God, there's those times where we have to ask ourselves, is there pride in my life? Is there something that I've adorned myself with? Am I replacing what only he can adorn me with? Am I replacing it with with my own choices? And do I need to to come to that point like David did where, where I humble myself under the mighty hand of God And the other part of that promise is that what he lifts me up. And so the application is, again, I don't mean to be a broken record, but if you say it a million times, it might stick with you throughout the day, that as you go through the week, as you go through the day, you might ask the Lord, is there something that I need to remove in my life? Is there some things that are are causing um, pride in my life? Am I being who you've called me to be, or do I feel the need to present myself as something greater or at least attempt to do that? I love the, the freedom that came in this statement that someone made to me, and I've said it so many times to others, that God loves you. He loves you. But He also likes you. You know that God loves you because He has to, because God is love, right? And so you, you, you kind of, But if, you, if you're hard on yourself, sometimes you forget the fact that He likes you. He likes the way that you're made and the way that you're created. He enjoys your personality. He enjoys who He made you to be. He loves relationship. And so know that your God likes you too. He enjoys you. So we jump into the next portion, and I'm going to move through this hopefully pretty quickly. Um, you, you come to the tent of meeting, and, and this is where Moses shows himself in a father's role, and he shows himself as a leader. It says that Moses used to, to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go there in this tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went to the tent, he would rise up, and and, and each would stand at the tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. And verse 10 says, And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and worship at the tent door. And thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned into his camp, into the camp, excuse me, his assistant Joshua the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Many of you know this scripture, and it's quoted many times. But Joshua, his young assistant, longed for the presence of God. That Moses, was, Moses would go and, and he would spend that time in God's presence. But you, you want to hey, where's Joshua? Does anyone know where Joshua is? Oh, he's at the tent. Why? Because he wants to just sit there at the feet of the presence of God. You always know where to find Joshua. He was the guy that lingered. He was the the one that longed for the presence. And do we long for the presence? Do I long for God's presence in that way? Moses goes on in in verse 12. Uh, I want to read this passage because it's in my notes and I think it's a a good one. I, I referenced it earlier that in that place of God's presence is the place of of fullness of joy. It says in in Psalm 16, verse 11, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. You know, all of that speaks to desire. It doesn't speak to duty, right? And so the psalmist, as he's writing this, is I desire to be in that place where where I like the things that I long for in life, I find them, I'm met with them at the place of your presence. That's why it was disastrous to think of his presence not going before them. And we read on. It says in, in um, verse 12, chapter 33, And Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring these people out, but you have not let me know whom you will send. And yet you have said, I know you by name, and I know you found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your, in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider this: is your nation, this is your people. In verse fourteen, and he said, "My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest." Whew. Verse fifteen, and he said to him, "If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here." Verse sixteen: For how will I know that I have found favor in your sight, if you and your people, for you and your people, is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct? And I I and your people from every other people on the earth. And then in verse 17 it says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you've spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. I know it's a lot of words, you know, and I know as you're listening to it, sometimes you have that tendency to check out... And I don't mean that in a condemning kind of way at all. It's just a reality. But what's happening in that moment is hugely significant. That Moses is standing in an intercession for the people and saying, "God, if you don't go, I don't want to go." You know that we sing that song. I don't want to go if you don't go before me. There's 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 other statements of this passionate prayer of Moses, like, "Don't send us out unless your presence leads the way." And this pleading with God that we talked about last week that you don't understand it all theologically, but we can say that something happens when we pray fervently and when we stand in the gap for. Others that God relents, that there's those moments where thank God that we're heading in this direction, and He's like, okay, we'll go this direction. He's a father and He wants good for His kids, but He protects His investments. He's not going to give good gifts to those who aren't willfully willing to receive them. Why would He give good gifts to one who's prideful, who who, with action and hard attitude is saying, I don't need you? Do you follow me? That's why humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God brings this blessing where He lifts us up, and that's exactly what's happening here. And so, this coming into intercession and, and what Moses offers the people is like a big. But you, you kind of try to get to know the character of Moses, and then you find he's like, "Okay, cool, if, if you're doing this, then, okay, God now. now I want more. <laughs> can I see your face? Can, I, I've just been and, and I know it says that God spoke to Moses as a man speaks face to face, but that wasn't saying that God would sit there, or that Moses would sit there and look into the full glory of God. But he's like, "Hey, if you're going to show favor on me, if, I, if I'm getting a yes to things, I'm going to go all in. God, can I just see you?" I thought that'd be a little funnier, I thought that. Be... And, and those were all courtesy laughs, I'm just going to say that. Um, those were real laughs. So, so, so at that moment when he's longing to see God, God responds to him and he does something that's so merciful. He says, "Hey, again, if you saw me in the fullness of my glory, you would, you would be zapped. but I'm going to do something special for you." And this is what we read now. And Moses said, "Please show me your glory." And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. There's so much in there. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Verse 20 says, but he said, you cannot see my face, for a man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold. There is a place where you shall stand in the rock, and my goodness will pass by you. And I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And verse 23 said, then you'll take my hand away, and you'll see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Guys, this is the end. And this is it. That that here Moses... He has gone through within this chapter the, the, the harsh news, the difficult news that the people could have the promise but they couldn't have him. That he pleads with the Lord, that, that God shows mercy, he extends mercy and says, okay, I'm, I'm going to do as you said, because why, the people were willing to repent, they were willing to take off their, their ornaments that, that they had previously taken off for idolatry, and now they're just like leaving them aside, coming as they are intended to come before God humbly. God then um, deals with their leader and, and, and communicates with their leader and, and assures them, okay, yes, it will be as you said, and at this moment now, he says, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. You see, God does things on his terms, not on your terms. Have you learned that? And Moses says, do it like this. God's, God, I think, with like a fatherly smile says, no, we're going to do it like this. And I will put you in a cleft. And I will put my hand upon you. And I will let my good. Do you notice the, the pronouns that are there? And I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. And you've probably heard this before. And I, don't, I, I, I believe it to be true why would God let his goodness pass before him? Why would, why would he be able to see God moving this way and not see God face to face? I think it's key for any leader. If you're leading your home, you're leading your place of business, you're leading your friendships, you need to know where God's going. And if you know where God's going, you can see his presence at work. This is part of the discernment process. And where I see God's presence at work, that's where I want to be going. The opposite is true. If I, if I don't see God's presence over here, if I don't see God leading over here, I don't want any part of this. I want part of that. And God made it clear, this is where I'm going. This is my goodness. Follow the goodness of God. Follow where his presence is leading. Follow it in your homes. Follow it in your workplace. Follow it in your friendships. Because God is faithful to show you. And so as I bring all of this to a close, in fact, Christian, I'd love to invite you to come back up because I'd like to sing that song, I'm caught up in your presence again. That maybe we could respond to the Lord and just sit in his presence for a moment before we go off to eat probably barbecue and drink black coffee. Andy was it black coffee and probably bacon on whatever you're going to eat. Um, Before we do that, we would capture the moment that we have here together, that as the people of God, we could sit in his presence. His presence is here now, by the way. He doesn't come just because we ask him to or because we sing a really sweet song. But sometimes the environment is set in such a way that you're able to to relax enough to, to close off some of the concerns that you might have to experience his presence. To maybe pray prayers like, oh God, if there's some pride in my life, if there's some things that I'm adorning myself with, help me to cast them off. I choose to humble myself before you. I want to see where your goodness is leading and I want to walk in that direction. And so dads and friends, whoever you might be today, learn to walk in humility. Secondly, learn to long to seek and stay in the presence of God. Be like Joshua. Where you at, God, I want to be there. I want you more than I want anything else. You know, the goodness of God is so wonderful in that as you seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, other things get added. It doesn't mean that you're going to have to come to church seven days a week. You know, the presence of God is not confined to this building. But as you seek his presence, you find it all around because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You don't have to take his presence off to go to work. You know, even if you hate your job, his presence is there. If you love your job, his presence is there. You want to see his goodness pass before you. So long for it. Seek him. Stay in his presence just as Joshua did. The third thing is learn to intercede for your families and for your nation and for your people just as Moses did. Something happens when we pray. When we pray fervently, when we pray effectually, it avails much as the word of God says. And finally, follow the presence of God as his goodness passes before you. I have this last quote if I could get it up on the screen. thought it was a well well said it says to be given every other blessing Do, do we have it maybe we don't i'll just read it if we don't that's fine to be given every other blessing is of no value if god is not with you that is to say the value of canaan what is the value of milk and honey what is the value of having possessions if god was not with them They saw that the realization of the presence of God, having this fellowship and company, was infinitely more important than everything else. It's from Lloyd-Jones. And so as we sing this song, as we we, we end this song with the service, um, let's allow ourselves to be caught up in his presence for a moment and to value him above all things and let him define what's valuable in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's sing this together. are able to do that this morning. God, thank you for your presence. So much is moving so fast. The moment we leave here, we'll, we'll move into the pace and the rhythm of the cities that we live in but here in this moment your kingdom pace makes a whole lot of sense as we're still to know that you're god we can just have the the time and the space to be still and know that you're god to have our full focus and attention on you let us hear god the words that you're saying today let it go deep into our hearts let your word be like good seed planted in fertile soil of our hearts let Let the words spoken that are of you take some root and and begin to to grow in us throughout the week. as we stand here before you, whether we're dads or future dads or moms or students, but wherever we find ourselves, would you shape our desires, God? Would you shape our lives? by your presence God would you remove the things that you don't want in our lives that we might have deeper and closer fellowship with you the way that you intended it the real life the good life would you show us your goodness let it pass before us that we can see where you're at work Lord would you help us to not take ourselves so seriously but to take you really seriously God to be able and willing to humble ourselves under your mighty hand to lean back into the truth that there is more grace and to find that more grace in you and you alone And, and in that God as that passage continues to say that you resist the proud but you give grace to the humble and you call us to draw near to you and then you promise that you will draw near to us and you call us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. And I pray a hedge of protection and a covering over every mind and every life in this room. That their lives would be led by the power of the Holy Spirit and the goodness of God and the the presence of God dwelling with. That there would be a protection against the deceptions of the evil one. Lord, that they would find freedom from a, a slavery of the past, a freedom to walk with you in the promises that are on the other side of the Jordan. Bless your people, God. Strengthen them in every way. I pray they'd leave this place with joy and with hope because in your presence comes fullness of joy. Let them go out with joy. Let them be led forth with peace, God, I pray. And I thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Have an awesome Father's Day.